CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking news, you're watching Options Action on what has been a roller coaster week for stocks. The Dow bouncing in and out of correction terry and erasing all of its gains this year. The index tanking as much as 1,600 points at the lows on Monday. It was the biggest point drop ever. The Dow traveling 22,000 points this week with major intraday swings all week and closing out today higher by more than 300 points. The hardest hit names. Energy, Exxon in particular, plunging 10%. It's the worst performer in the Dow this week. Crude breaking 60 for the first time this year. But that could be your big opportunity, or so says chart master Carter Worth. And let's get right to him right now. Carter, what are you looking at tonight? Uh, you know, I thought we'd look at Exxon. This is the worst performing Dow component so on the week. Uh, it's got a massive peak to trough decline, and I kind of like the way it ricocheted off its low today. But let's put in perspective. Speaking of the Dow, here's the Dow. You know, you've got this topping out. Let's add next chart. Let's add the um, energy complex. So here's your Dow in blue. Here is one of the parts of the market, energy, down more. And if we add Exxon, what we've got here is the, the, really, the real wipeout. So in terms of really super cap stocks, it's one of the worst performers of the last two weeks. In fact, if you look at the next slide, what we have, to put this in perspective, this is a weekly bar. So these two weekly bars... Take a look at the next, um, next chart, and what you'll see here on the next chart is that this decline, 17.3% from peak to trough in two weeks. Uh, no other stock of this size has done anything like that. And so what, I, what appeals to me is I think we've gotten down to a reference point. But let's just put this in context. Down 17.3% in two weeks. If you look at the next slide here, what, what I want to point out is that that's only happened five times, five times going back all data in, in Exxon's trading history, where you have a drop of 17% or more in a 10-session period. That's an incident rate of 0.05%. I mean, it's exceedingly rare. And if you look at the other instances, the next deck here, these are the dates. Think about this. That's an epic date, 1987. That's an epic date, 08, 2011. So this is in the pantheon of very bad periods. And what happened to Exxon after its tanks? One month later, it was up every single time. Three months later, every single time. I want to make the bet. So let's go back to the uh, chart. I want to make the bet that this is going to happen. Again, here's our average gain on a one-month period for Exxon, three-month period. That's, an, that's quite a good bump here. And if you look at the final uh, chart, what, what we have is, again, the prospects of some sort of nice rebound off these lows. I want to make the bet that this very large stock is, quote, oversold. All right. You have a, a trade on Exxon, Mikey? Yeah. So normally in cases where we have Carter frame up a trade, we usually look 60 to 90 days out. This is a situation, and we'll see whether he agrees with me here, but I'm just taking a look at the market, and I feel like if it's going to move, it's probably going to move fairly sharply one way or the other. So I think you're going to take a look at options that are nearer dated than the ones we would normally select. I was looking at March expiration. You could buy the 77 and a half, 82 and a half call spread. You could spend a dollar 20 for that. So that's slightly less than one fourth the distance between the strikes. The idea here being that if a stock is going to move sharply one direction, 
with a spread, the nearer dated it is, the more rapidly it's going to maximize its value. So that's the reason I'm choosing this structure. The other thing I would point out is that usually this is, you know, I haven't been overly enthusiastic about integrated oil stocks in general. More of the oil service space was the ones that I liked. But this is really a technical play, an oversold condition, and it's one of the ones that probably sets up really nicely to use options. You, what, what do you think? Well, so Excellent. what's interesting, we, we know that uh, implied volatility, the price of options, has really spiked over the last couple of weeks here. And so normally I would say, well, you don't want to go that far out of the money. But this stock is so oversold, and it got hit so hard so quickly, the notion of Mike's break-even, which is a few dollars out of the money, um, you know, the further out of the money, the more expensive options generally are, you know, I'd say, all right, let's be careful doing that right now, except for the fact that if these guys are right and they get that sort of V reversal, you're going to be in the money pretty quickly. I know you'd sell an out-of-the-money call, you know, to help finance that sort of thing. Um, so to me, I think if you're going to play it, this is the way to do it rather than doing something very new. I mean, pre-correction sort of oil looked like it has its sea legs back, right? And, you know, it's pushing over 60. Some people thinking it was going to 70. Now who knows what's going to happen in the next, you know, well, we shorted weeks. oil last week, so I guess we didn't quite agree with you on that one. But <laughs> I guess some people did see it that way. Uh, you know, obviously, U.S. production is ramping very quickly, and that's going to keep a lid on oil prices. Maybe they're a little bit oversold here. It's been a fairly sharp move as it went below 60. But you know, you take a look at that strike of the call that we're actually selling, 82 and a half. This stock was almost 90 just a short time ago. So it, you know, it feels like this is out of the money somewhat, but it really isn't when you consider right. the kinds of moves of this. Thing. I mean, two things in terms. In terms of the 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 hour-to-hour -hour action in, in Exxon is important. It hit a low of 73.90 and closed at 75.80, almost two dollars off the low. That's what reversals start to look and feel like. And second, um, it is so bad relative to crude. Crude is finally corrected. We've got that uh, sort of eight, 10, 12 percent sell-off, and that was the point of last week's effort. But now I think you go the other way and you make the bet that Exxon has rebound potential, given how big it is, how important it is for the market, and how literally straight down. Only five times in his history have you plunged 70% in two weeks. Mike, you get the last word on your trade. You know, big stocks like this, it's unusual to get these kinds of moves. What you basically see is sort of like real money selling and no real money buyers stepping in to take a look at it. You know, I think a lot of real money accounts move a little bit more slowly. They're taking a look at the situation, deciding when they're going to step in. And if they're inclined to own it, they're going to start revisiting it soon, I think. Okay. Now to a group of stocks that surprisingly held up well amid all of the carnage, and that is retail. The XRT retail ETF falling nearly 2% this week. As you know, the S&P sank more than 5%. Some bright spots today were Nike, Under Armour, TJX, and Best Buy. Dan, you're looking at a different retail name altogether you say could be due for a bounce. Yeah, so Walmart, you know, this is really interesting. So we just talked about a Dow stock that's about a $300 billion market cap, and now we're going to talk about Walmart, a retail stock that's actually one of the best performing stocks in the market last year. I think it was up over 40% or so. Um, so when you think about what's going on with Walmart, yeah, it had a 12% drawdown peak to trough since January 29th. That was in line with the S&P and the Dow here. So, you know, we have a pretty dramatic sell-off from strength and then, you know, juxtaposed to um, the Exxon, which was already a weak chart for the most part and really mm -hmm. just fell apart. This is one where I think you want to start fo uh, focusing on fundamentals a little bit. When this company reported their Q3 on November 16th, the stock had a 11% gap. They had their best same-store sales in nearly a decade. They're seeing some pretty good growth off a low base um, in their online sales. Grocery is making up um, a huge part of their sales, and that's doing very well. This company is going to report on February 20th. I think it makes sense to look at it after this stock has um, just kind of 
uh, had about, about a 10, 11 percent sell off. They recovered a little bit um, today. You know, to me, what's interesting about this is uh, they just showed that chart. There is a gap down there at 95 bucks. That was the earnings gap. That's what you want to mind um, to the downside if you're looking to play this thing directionally. We have another chart, implied volatility, the price of options in Walmart. Like most things in this market, we've seen a massive spike. That's a two-year chart here. So to me, this is a really hard one to do from a long premium standpoint, meaning owning options on a directional basis. You may get the direction right, but you may have the wrong trade with options. So I want to look at something, I know Mike does this a whole heck of a lot, is a short premium trade setting up into the earnings event. Um, I want to look out to March expiration today when the stock was trading at about 100 bucks. That's down about 10 bucks from the high on January 29th. I want to sell the March 96 Seven half, 92 half put spread at a dollar and a half. I'm selling one of the March 97 half uh, puts at three dollars and eighty cents. I'm buying one of the March 92 half puts for two dollars and thirty cents. I'm receiving a dollar fifty credit. I have three dollars and fifty cents risk to the downside. But here's the thing about this: I am actually risking more to make less. That's not the tagline of the show. I think it's the opposite way. But this is a high probability trade. If the stock does nothing over the next few weeks and just sits where it is right now, you're going to make money here. So to me, and a lot of a big part of that is because what we said inflated options prices. So I'm making a mildly bullish bet here. It has a high probability of making a little money, um, and it's got a low probability of losing a lot of money. Well, a lot of money. I mean, it's a $5 spread. So right. losing $3.50 yeah. a share isn't a whole lot of money. You were talking about the elevated price of options <laughs> in Walmart, and you were showing a two-year chart, I think. But actually, if you go back 10 years, we haven't seen implied volatility like this. It didn't get up here in 2011. It's really quite remarkable how expensive the options are in Walmart, and that's one of the reasons you definitely want to be a seller of them. I mean, uh, the key, as a chartist, the, the reference point that Dan cited is the gap in earnings to the upside mid-November. If the earnings are bad, it will retrace that gap, which is exactly the lines that Dan. And, and if the earnings are decent, you have the prospects of obviously not doing that. Uh, he's doing it in a very sort of cautious way, which is the only way you can do this, because any trouble at all, gaps are like magnets, it would go right into that. Yeah, and this is really important. Why am I selling a put spread versus just selling a put? I want to control that downside risk, and that's right. a big part. And let's take it the other way here. If you're long Walmart and you didn't do anything during this downdraft and you still like it, maybe sell an out-of-the-money call. You're doing the same thing for all intents and purposes and taking some premium. So to me, this environment for people who are not selling stocks that they own, the idea of selling out-of-the-money calls against it with vol the way it is, that makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. Too. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter. More than 100,000 of you already have. So what are you waiting for? Here's what's coming up next. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. That's true, because the so-called fear index might be flashing a buying sign amid the carnage. We'll explain. Plus, does the massive sell-off have you asking existential questions about your portfolio? Well, then tweet us at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it later in the show. More Options Action still ahead. Welcome back to Options Action. After more than a year in hiding, volatility came back to the markets and with a vengeance this week. Bob Pisani at the New York Stock Exchange tonight breaking it all down for us. Bob. 
It all started last week when a strong jobs report combined with much better than expected wage growth got everybody jittery about inflation and the small potential for lower corporate profits. The VIX last Friday went from 17 to 32 in one day. That was its biggest one day move in years. And that kind of upset the apple cart. One of the most crowded trades on the street was to bet volatility would stay low and the market would not only keep going up, but that it wouldn't have any big sudden spurts down. So a lot of traders had sold puts, effectively being long the markets. Now remember, the VIX measures the cost of puts and calls in the S&P 500 near term, just 30 days out. On Friday, when we blew through all those near term strike prices, the prices on the puts farther out of the money suddenly became a lot more expensive and the VIX sort of blew up. The VIX hit 50 at its peak on Tuesday. That was the highest level since the Chinese devalued yuan in August 2015. That was a shock that sent the VIX well over 50, and it pushed the S&P 500 down nearly 10%. Exactly what happened this week. The good news is that the cash fix, 29 today, is still elevated, but it's just slightly above the front month futures contracts for February and March and April. All this week, the VIX has been way above those future contracts. That's a very rare occurrence, and it's a sign that traders believe volatility of this magnitude will not last long. It'll be short-lived. That is now starting to come back down towards the future prices, and that's a good sign. So where will the VIX end up? Nobody knows, but most traders are betting it will be above the old price of $10, but likely below $20. we will see. Back okay. to you, Scott. All right, Bob Pisani, thank you so much. Uh, well, if history is any indication, the volatility surge could actually be a buy signal for stocks. It's time for a little Options 101 with our man Mike. He's at the plasma to break it all down for us, Mike. Yeah, sure. So this is interesting. We've got a 30-year or almost 30-year history of the VIX. That's in blue here and of the S&P. That's in orange. So as we take a look at this, one of the things that a lot of people who look at these charts will observe is that when you see spikes in the VIX, those look like pretty decent times to buy the market. Here we have another spike, you would have bought it right there. Here we have another spike, you would have bought it right there. Even here we had a spike, not for a really obvious reason, but again, you would have been long the market. Here we got another spike and you would have gotten it here. Why is this actually working? And the reason is that the VIX actually isn't so much a predictor as it is responding to what the market's actually doing. So what would happen? We had the VIX closing close to 30. What would happen if you bought the S&P when the VIX was 30 or above and held it for one month and three months. Well, normally, the returns for the S&P are going to win about 60% of the time over one month and about 60% of the time over three months. If you buy the S&P when the VIX is over 30, you get an improvement of about 10%. You win about two-thirds of the time. And if you hold it for three months, you're going to be up money about three-quarters of the time. And how much money do we make on average? Well. On average, over one month, the S&P makes about 70 basis points, a little bit less. Over three months, it averages about 1.7%. But if you buy it when the VIX is over 30, the one-month average return is 1.7%. And the three-month average return is 5.5%. So you have a higher probability that it's going to be up, and the amount that you make on average is also higher. The one caveat I would throw out there, though, of course, is that during the credit crisis, VIX went over 30. So you also saw the instances that were the worst one month and three month returns in the S&P during that period. So you have to ask yourself, do you think this is just a pullback, a temporary correction, or is it something like the credit crisis? I don't think it's like the credit crisis. I think we're likely to have a one and three month bounce here. 
Yeah. All right, Mikey, thanks. What do, you, what do you think about this spike? I mean, it's been an incredible yeah, spike I, I out think, of nowhere, too. I think Mike mentioned that period in August of 2015. I think it's really important to remember that we did recover. We almost made a new high, and then we failed again in September. And I think we had another. This was of 2015, so we made a double bottom. And then what happened again in Q1 of 2016? We had another vol spike. We had um, a double bottom again with two 10% sort of corrections. So, you know, once we enter a new volatility regime, it's likely to stay for a bit. It doesn't matter matter if the VIX to me is 25 or 17. It's on a relative basis. And I don't believe that the sort of awakening that we've had all of a sudden after a very long period of no movement is something that's going to go really quickly. And we're going to see the VIX in the low teens again anytime you soon. You know what? The, a the average VIX actually over its entire life cycle is nearly 20. Yeah. Right. And so even and if you start pulling out the really volatile times that we've seen, it's still going to be in the neighborhood of 15 or 16. So getting rid of the credit crisis, 98, you know, the odd 01 era, that's going to definitely lower those numbers. But what we saw coming into this the, the was exceptionally low. Well, that's I mean, exceptionally low. I mean, before we saw that period this time, you could count on both hands the number of times that that had happened since the inception of the VIX, and all of them were basically that, during the Christmas holidays. If, if, if that wasn't a signal that high? I mean, uh, of an impending that? hurricane sometime, I don't Well, I, don't I mean, we've seen, we've seen huge upticks in options volume both, both ways. Right. And we've seen actually huge upticks even in the open interest in some of the speculative products on these things that everybody thinks you know, are, are basically saying bad things about. But, you know, first of all, I don't think that those products are dead. We're going to write the epitaph on those too, too soon. But we are seeing signals that this is overdone. Yeah. All right, still ahead, Ford in reverse. The stock sinking to its lowest level in more than five years this week. But one of our traders says now could be the time to buy it. He's going to give us that trade when we come back. Plus, got a question from one of our traders tonight. Send us a tweet to at options action. And if it's nice, one of the traders will read it later in the show. Much more options action is right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to look back at some of our traders' moves over the last week. Mike gave us a portfolio protection trade. Let's listen. We can see, obviously, the S&P has rolled over here. But if we take a look at where we were at the end of last year, we're still higher. So not too late to hedge. What was I taking a look at? Specifically, I was looking out to March. You could buy the 275, 260 put spread for $2.65. All right, the S&P went right through that lower strike. So why don't you tell us what you're going to do now? Yeah, so this thing is up a little bit more than threefold by now. It's closing on $10. Uh, time is on your side, but if you think the market's going to bounce here, delta is the directional issue, is not on your side. So I think 350% uh, you know, profit on the hedge is good enough for me. I think we're going to take the money and run. You got a comment? Yeah, I mean, it's a great timing, great trade, and there's no reason to risk the premium that you have in it at this point. All right. Uh, three weeks ago, Dan said Ford was going to rev higher. Let's listen to that. So today, I think the way you play it is you look at March expiration. With the stock trading at 12, you could buy the March 12 calls for 33 cents. If it doesn't hold right here, it's probably going back to 11. And then you look and see at 10 and a half, that was the 52-week low. It's actually a double bottom low from 2015 also. And that's down, you know, another 15, 15% in total. All right. Since then, shares of Ford have sunk to below 11. 
jacket looked familiar, just like, by the way. Ju wait, just yeah. like I said it was going to. Uh, <laughs> I, and I don't mean to shed any light on this, but this is really important. And, you know, this was in front of their earnings, and I was not particularly certain about what the fundamentals were going to bring. The technical setup wasn't great, especially after the rally here. So the whole idea here was kind of risk a little here to possibly make a lot. Uh, the opposite of the trade I did in the A block here. Um, and there's nothing to do at this point. I know you have a different well, view, though. At this point, I think this is quite identical to the Exxon pattern. I mean, you have a literally moving from a 52-week high right to a 52-week low, dropping not 17, Exxon, 22. And at this point, is it really right if you were a long-only player to dump your Ford? No. So then, by inference, are you holding it? I would think so. And if you're not invested, taking a crack on the long side for a bounce. You know, Ford is also doing some interesting things on the autonomous space. They're rolling out some electric vehicles. It's trading at a ridiculously cheap multiple on a trailing basis, even if the future looks pitiful compared to what the last five years have looked like. This company is, I, I think, still quite cheap, and there's not a lot of places, even net of a 10% pullback, where you could actually still say that. So I, I like the stock here, even though it's obviously had quite a, quite a plummet. All right. Up next, we'll do tweets. And the final call from the options pits. We're back on options action right after this. Welcome back to options action. It's time to take your tweets. Our first tweet tonight is from Donna, who asks, aren't VIX instruments like puts? Mike? Uh, they are related, for sure. Uh, the VIX is obviously about implied volatility, and that is the price of options. However, if what you're interested in is protecting your portfolio, the easiest way to do it typically is with actual puts on things like SPY and IWM. Okay, our second tweet by Red Griffin, who asks, do you guys think Twitter will retest and or exceed the post-earnings high from earlier this week, Danny? Yeah, I think it eventually will, and I think Snap, too, is another one. I think you could trade Snap and Twitter against those gaps um, all day long for the next few months, uh, to me. And if you do get them down in a downdraft, I think those are good buys. CBW? Technically fantastic, right? To gap up like that in a week like this, and then to hold those gains, the implications are immediately higher and decently higher. All right, let's get one more in. How? Oh, no, it's time for the final call. Oh, they switched just like that. Yeah. Time flies. All right, what's the last word? You know, I'll just tell you this. I, I like selling uh, Twitter puts down at that breakout level, 27. Okay, Carter? Exxon for a bounce, big name that's overdone to the downside. Mikey? The big spike in the VIX is an indication we might be oversold, and I think you can buy some here. All right, you guys have a good weekend. Our time's up. I'm Scott Wapner. We're off for a few weeks. Don't forget for the Olympics. Much more options action, though. Head to Twitter at CNBC Options. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.